0: Welcome to the Iron Self Podcast, where we jump into health, fitness, mindset, and becoming the best version of yourself. Today with your hosts, Mike and Kayla Minion.
1: Hey guys, and welcome back to the Iron Self Podcast again with Mike and Kayla. Today we are here to talk about... Back pain! Oh,
0: back pain!
1: (laughs) (laughs) So... Fun little, well, no, you go ahead. You got your stats.
0: I've got some stats. You know I love my stats. <laughs> She's
1: a nerd. So she loves her numbers. Let's just get
0: you started <laughs> with some stats on back pain. So back pain stats. Did you know that 60 to 70% of indes- the industrialized population, so we'll talk about maybe North America, Europe, all that kind of stuff, uh, 60 to 70% of the population suffers from non-specific back pain. So non-specific back pain, Mike, what is that?
1: So that's back pain without any specific onset. It's not like I was going to lift something heavy awkwardly and all of a sudden my back hurt. It's just like, no, I wake up every day and this sucks.
0: Yeah. So it's like, I don't really know why I have back pain or maybe it's that I, there wasn't a specific injury.
1: Yeah. There's no specific onset, right? So an onset is like something happens and that is what did it. So there, there's no specific onset for it. So today we're here to start to kind of break that down for you guys a little bit and maybe give you some ideas as to why why maybe you are having that onset without any specific onset.
0: Yeah, like a specific onset if you were in some sort of a fail video on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> that might be specific. That would be very specific. <laughs> Anyways, let's get started. So where does back pain come from?
1: So when I think of back pain, the first thing I always think about because I'm a nerd with this stuff is it comes uh, down to an instability or dysfunction in either a movement pattern or you're breathing in your diaphragm. That's the, the general basis that I always start from.
0: Okay. So I like to think breathing, tightness, instability, lifestyle habits and behaviors. Yep. Those are the like main four. And I think that that really covers like pretty much everything. So where does your back pain come from? Everywhere. No, I'm
1: just kidding. <laughs> well, where does it come from? Let's let's do a little bit of anatomy here. So, Kayla's gonna nerd out for a minute on anatomy. What what is our What is our back?
0: So our back is a natural S-curve. If we look at the spine, it has this beautiful little curvature. So it's not meant to be like straight up and straight down. It's got this beautiful curvature. We have seven uh, cervical vertebrae, and those are in like, say, your neck attached to that skull area. We have 12 thoracic vertebrae, which is kind of in that upper rib cage area, we'll call it. We have five lumbar vertebrae, and that's kind of where your back kind of sways in a little bit. We have five sacral vertebrae, so right closer down towards those hips there, and then four costageal uh, vertebrae, which is just like that tailbone area. So that's kind of how it has that nice, beautiful S-curve.
1: So that is the anatomy of your spine, right? So this is when somebody's talking about their back, they're like, oh, I I, I hurt my low back. Well, that's going to be your lumbar spine, generally lumbar to your sacral region, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, and within that lumbar to sacral region, there's so many muscles that attach in the that area to say that it's one muscle specific it's never one muscle specific and we always want to think about like your body as a holistic approach right so start from the ground up sometimes or we start from the top down there's two different ways to do this like what are your feet doing that are affecting your hips and then maybe what is what are your rib cage what is your rib cage doing that might be affecting the hips so it's kind of like look above and below the the main joint where you're having the issue
1: for sure so now if we're talking about the actual specific muscles well we won't get too specific but the muscle groupings that are going to affect your your low back region so we start looking at your hip rotators so our we have several different
0: hip rotators but I'm just gonna leave you guys with the hip rotator because if I start to, like spewing off like TFL piriformis, you guys are gonna like start going what? We don't care what she's talking about. So <laughs> so,
1: so hip rotators, okay. So that's a big one. They then,
0: rotate the hips.
1: Then the ones for hip stability. So then we're we're looking at again, they, they do rotation as well. So like your glute med men do internal or external rotation of your of your leg as well the femur, right? So it, anyways,
0: ro- <laughs> they stabilize the hips. So we got hip rotators. We have hip stabilizers.
1: And then we have... Ex-
0: we have hip extenders.
1: So it's your glute max.
0: And we have hip flexors.
1: So your hip flexors are these guys that tighten. Your
0: psoas. Your iliopsoas. Okay. So we've got a bunch of different muscles that revolve around the hips. Into the low back. We've got your latissimus dorsi, which is the largest muscle in your entire body that attaches down in that region. We've got our obliques. We've got our uh, quadratus lumborum, which is that deep, deep inner low back muscle. Then you actually our- just
1: have your spinal erectors on either side of the spine, so yeah so spinal erectors
0: right straight up that's fine and then we've got our transverse abdominus wrapping all the way around and then there's just so much more that's kind of going on in that region those well, are the and big every, main everything
1: ones. that ties in too right so then you got your hamstrings on your on your lower body that if you have super tight hamstrings we're going to get into the stretching but that that gets into that too. and your quads on the front of the body yep. so there's just
0: it it, it really <laughs> is like a chain reaction
1: when one thing is
0: tight or not working accordingly then it's just going to cause a chain reaction and then over time what we see is we see pain in the body or uh, degeneration in the body rather than actually seeing us recover from it because we often we live in a society where we just treat symptoms and not necessarily the problem a lot of the time.
1: So one of the big things and that we alluded to right at the start was that we were going to talk a little bit about about breathing. So breathing dysfunction is one of the main things that is actually linked to back pain. So there's a study done in 2003, it was published in the Journal of Bodywork and Movement Therapies, and they had 111 people that were at the chiropractor for back pain. And of those 111 people, um, three out of four of them, so three quarters of them, um, all were all identified with dysfunctional breathing. So they didn't know how to engage their diaphragms properly. So this this is kind of that core, if you you have dysfunctional breathing, then you're stacking all of your other movements on top of that. So dysfunctional breathing means we don't know how to use our diaphragm properly. So your diaphragm is supposed to, on inhale, come down and expand out. Think of like a balloon. So it comes down, fills your belly, pushes your ribs out laterally. Okay, so if you can breathe deep into your belly, you feel those fingers come out laterally.
0: Like an accordion.
1: And then it kind of sucks back up and in, if that makes sense. So if people have a a restricted breathing pattern or a dysfunctional breathing pattern, then their diaphragm is actually a lot flatter and a lot more um, narrow in the upper section. So it only ever fills up down to here, expands that chest, and then we're not ever getting that that deep breath. And the, the reason we want that deep breath is because when we're breathing down into our belly, it actually increases an intra-abdominal pressure. So then you have a base of stability for your lumbar spine. It also massages up those
0: organs. There's a lot of things that that diaphragm is really meant to do. And so when we're only breathing in that upper respiratory uh, part, you often will see people's shoulders rise. You'll see shoulders hunch around and forward. You'll see um, their shoulders go up and down, up and down as they breathe.
1: Well, yeah, because they're they're using their, their traps, their upper chest, and then, yeah, just, just their upper body for their breathing. And a lot of times if you find somebody that, has a, a headache at the back of their head all the time. They're like, oh man, I can't get over headaches. this headache all the time. And you watch them breathe. They're going to breathe like this <sighs> through their mouth. Nice and shallow here. Once you teach them how to breathe deep into their belly, that headache actually sometimes relieves itself because they're using their neck muscles, their traps here, to actually, in their scalenes, to actually pull the breath in.
0: Yeah, that sternocleidomastoid, the scalenes. like There's so much going on there that's all helping those shoulders to elevate versus ha- allowing the chest to do the breathing. Okay. So, I mean, <laughs> chest. Chest, belly. Diaphragm- belly. More, more belly breathing. No, 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 no,
1: diaphragmatic. Get a deep.
0: <laughs> okay. So, if people are having dysfunctional breathing patterns, what would you suggest for them to do? Or how would you suggest for them to figure out if they're having dysfunctional breathing patterns?
1: Um, take an honest look at how you breathe. So, if you are a mouth breather, there's a very high possibility that you have a dysfunctional breathing pattern because our mouth was only ever made as an Uh, we'll call it like the emergency breathing. We want to offload CO2 really fast. You can do that through your mouth when you breathe out fast. Now, your your nose, on the other hand, was made for breathing. So, it it humidifies the air. It warms it as it comes in. So, it it actually kind of conditions the air before it ever comes in. And when you're doing those deep breaths through your nose, you're actually filling your, your lungs, your diaphragm more effectively. So, the best exercise to start with, if you do not breathe properly to begin with is learning how to do diaphragmatic breathing. So a good way to do that is laying down on your back, hands on your ribs. So you're feeling those bottom two ribs down here and then breathing in deep through our nose. Just you don't have to count your breath, just a nice full breath in and out. And you want to feel your belly and your ribs actually push out against your hands. And then when you breathe back in, you want to feel it suck back in.
0: We have a really good YouTube video for this, so I will link it through in the show notes um, in case you want a little bit more of an instruction on how to do some diaphragmatic breathing. Um, I know for myself, I've always i I've never done it laying down with my clients. I always do it sitting up because I guess I'm normally on like a Zoom call with them, so maybe that's why. Yeah. Uh, but it's funny because the minute you put your hands on your ribs and you try and say to somebody, now I want you to breathe without raising your shoulders and they inhale through their nose,
1: there's a lot of thought
0: process, even for myself. I still have to think <laughs> about it because all of a sudden, like, you get to a certain point, and I want to say to you, like, you hit that point, and it's like, okay, shoulders must shoulders. elevate in order to get more breath. And so it is It is that, okay, I need to remember that my ribs need to come out laterally. They need to expand uh, horizontally um, into my hands like an accordion. Uh, and that I keep coming back to that visualization because, for me, being able to visualize my ribs expanding like an accordion, like I understand what an accordion does, like that in and out motion, that helps me figure out what they're supposed to do.
1: See, and this is why I always say it's easiest to start when you're laying down, just because when you're laying down and gravity's already pulled down against you, when you breathe into those ribs, you'll physically feel them start to pull up, like pull out, right? And that's that's what you want to feel.
0: Perfect. Okay, so, so
1: let's uh, let's dive into our next one. So we talked about breathing, and now we're going to talk about tightness and stretching.
0: Tightness and stretching. So, like, it's not like that one episode where we were talking about doing millions and millions of lunges and recovery <laughs> and feeling like you need to be in a constant state of stretch.
1: Well, no, but but the problem is, is that a lot of people with low back pain tend to just try and stretch their way out of it. So, they don't, they don't think about strengthening. They don't think about breathing. They don't think about, you know, what, what their lifestyle is doing to create these tight areas. They just think, I'm tight. I need to stretch. And that is that is it they box themselves in in that spot
0: okay so let's talk a little bit about stretching i know we did um touch on stretching in our recovery episode but it is really good thing to just recap a little bit it's really important that we warm up for stretching so whether you're spending you know a couple minutes going through full range of motion on all your joints and main muscle groups to get the muscles a little bit warmer or you're having a really warm shower a hot tub
1: so i was gonna say if you got a hot tub or a sauna or something like that, that that's great too right warms up the body first and then you can get into your stretches
0: and the reason for that is if you've ever taken an elastic band and stuck it in a freezer and then tried to stretch it the very first thing it does is it snaps
1: usually think of your muscles the same way
0: muscles are very very similar and they're not going to necessarily always snap but (laughs) we do have um some i'm gonna i don't want to get too sciencey we have some receptors inside your muscles that tell (laughs) if your muscle has lengthened too far and it causes it to contract that's that, good. That's the easiest way to explain Don't have it. to use fancy words. I don't have to get too fancy on you guys. So essentially you wanna make sure that you are warming up so that those receptors in the muscle tell your body yep this is a good depth and we want to only go to the point of feeling the stretch not forcing the stretch right there's nothing special about touching your toes and I don't know how many times we have to say that
1: <laughs> every client ever so so you don't have to touch your toes we're going as far as we can till we feel a stretch You don't get an award when you touch your toes nobody's like
0: wow, ah, that was amazing like it's just like go to that point feel the stretch hold the stretch. Take some nice,
1: long,
0: deep breaths in through that nose. This
1: this is that important thing. So again, when we're stretching, and this is why yoga is so important, when you're doing your stretching you should be breathing adequately too. So it's built because at that point, then you're building stability in the position. And we're going to talk about instability and stability coming up soon here too.
0: Well, and that breath. So the other part that is important about this is that breath, when we're breathing and we're holding a stretch and we're inhaling through our nose, it brings us into that parasympathetic response, that relaxation response in the body, Rest which digest. when we're breathing through our mouth, that yeah we're re- running that takes us into that sympathetic that stress response so we want to try and come out of that stress response and allow our body to find that relaxation place when we are stretching
1: okay so tightness now where are places that people might not realize the tightness attributes to their back pain
0: so hamstrings so the backsides of your legs and your quads are one area that definitely tightness does well, sorry, two areas, your <laughs> legs, um, It's why I was thinking legs, one area. But anyways, two areas <laughs> that they, they you get um, quite tight because we spend a lot of time moving around. We walk, we we are on our feet all day. so
1: As a society too, we're, we're rounded forward a lot. We, we tend to do things where we're kind of down and forward to the side. So then you start to get in those more kind of hunched positions and we never really spend the time with the like, that open chest, that open thoracic.
0: That expansion, right. Yeah. So when we are looking at stretching, we want to stretch our quads and our hamstrings, or so our legs, the front and the back of our legs. Yep. We want to stretch around our hips. So a nice way to do that is if you cross, if you're seated, and, and you, you cross one leg over the other and let the knee flare out to the side and hinge slightly forward. We call it a figure four stretch. And you'll feel that into the hip rotators. Yep. Okay, so that gets those hip rotators. Uh, and then also stretching through the glutes.
1: Glutes and hip flexors as well. So like your your runner stretch like that, the nice deep lunge with one side open, you can put that arm up for the nice lateral expansion there too. And then for your glutes, there's, yeah. I
0: would lay on your back, supine spinal twist, pull, lay on your back, pull one knee across your body yep. and feel that stretch through the glutes. So those are the main areas that we would suggest. If you want a really good in-depth stretching video, we Specific
1: to back pain.
0: Specific for back pain, yeah. So we have a yoga video on YouTube and I'll link it through on the show notes for you guys uh, to check out for stretches for low backs. Perfect. Okay, so we've got stretches, <clears throat> we've covered breathing, now where are we going?
1: Instability and strengthening.
0: Instability and strengthening. So we already talked about kind of the musculature around that area. So if we're looking at it, what areas would we be most instable in? And this isn't like every person's instable in this area. But...
1: I will say a solid 80% of people before they are trained, we'll call them you know, newbies to training or whatever, are the most instable through their hip stabilizers. So your glute mead and min and your and your glute max in general, like your your whole hip side of your hip here is generally very unstable.
0: And I would say yeah. that we tend to be I'm gonna call it almost overstabilized. I know that that's a, that's not the right term, but like they, we compensate more with our hip flexors and our quads 100%. and especially females inner thighs and quads and hip flexors we tend to really target those three areas um, a lot more when it comes to trying to stabilize through the hip joint
1: well and it's not even that we like for a lot of people it's not that they train or overtrain the the hip flexors specifically but in, again, the life that we live nowadays, we spend so much time in a seated position that those hip flexors get locked in that seated position, in that constant flexion. Think about when you're driving your car or driving your truck, or you're sitting there watching TV, or you're sitting down doing your job at your desk. You're sitting in a flexed position. These, Your hip flexors are constantly in a flexed position.
0: And we're going to dive way more into like that musculature when we get into the lifestyle habits, which is
1: coming next.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so Instability.
1: Okay. So how do we create stability then?
0: Training. Training can create stability. So I mean, I think that even just a general mindfulness in what we're doing, right? Teaching people to hinge properly from our hips. So how do you hinge? I mean... Uh, I have a lot of clients that come to me and they round through their back to touch the floor when they go to pick something up. And one thing that I always say to them is chop yourself at the hips. So pretend your hands are like, like chops and chop yourself at the hips and literally hinge now leading through your chest forward to come down and touch the floor. That's a totally different ballgame because it allows that low back to stay nice and long. It allows you to actually use your hips for what they're meant for. And we can actually reach the ground a lot easier.
1: So the big thing that I always kind of cue to a lot of my clients is that they they shoot their hips back, but they keep their sit bones up, right? So they want to keep that chest nice and high, and then you're keeping your your sit bones, your butt nice and high as you shoot your hips back.
0: Yeah, and like if you're going in a Cardi B video and you're gonna twerk.
1: Really, that's really. <laughs> <I'm> sorry. Okay.
0: <laughs> it's a similar position.
1: It's- Not, but okay. (laughs) But but yeah, the the whole idea is keeping that chest nice and proud. And then as we're going down, it's, yeah, you you keep your body in a position of power, right? We always talk about, well, anybody who's been trained ever, when you're you're in these movement patterns, it's all about keeping your body in a position of power because you never want to round through that spine because then we're in a weakened position. That gives a higher chance of us getting injured. So when we're lifting heavy weights, we want to make sure that our body sits in a position of power every pull we do.
0: Awesome. So looking at instability, we want to train um, a lot through our hips, the muscles around our hips, so our glutes, our glute meet and Min, like Mike talked about, on the outside.
1: So for those guys, it's a lot of, like, hip abduction movements. So that's, again, knees starting in, something like a band around them, and then our knees going out, whether we're doing that seated, on our sides, however we want to do that.
0: There's about a billion different ways to do hip <laughs> abduction. There's
1: so much hip abduction in the world. So
0: we will link some videos through in the show notes for um, exercise ideas for uh, hip abduction Ooh, so
1: glute max what's your favorite glute max i love hip thrusts i think everybody should um not everybody <laughs> likes hip thrusts some people prefer the bridge i think most people don't like hip thrusts the ones that don't because if you make eye contact when you're, you're in that forward flexion <laughs> that awkward. is a great thing well <laughs> you should
0: be looking at your knees and not other people's well, yeah, eyes but
1: they're across the gym staring at you because you're hip thrusting
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: oh boy <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> i'm so lucky i work out alone right
1: <laughs> Okay, so, so yeah, but glute, glute meads, glute max for sure. What else?
0: Okay, so I think that also working on core strength. Okay. So what would be exercises for core strength are planks. And I'm not talking about like the plank where you're like have to go from your toes. and. You got to do
1: it for three minutes because your trainer on YouTube said so. That's that's ridiculous. I
0: don't want anybody holding a plank usually. Actually, no more than 40 seconds. I I don't
1: let them go over 45 seconds. Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) Because other muscles start to come into play here. And in fact... Most of my clients only do kneeling planks and everybody's like, why do they only do kneeling planks? That's too so easy. Cause they're doing it properly. Yeah. Because if you're doing it in a correct way, then it should be just felt in that core, maybe a little bit into the shoulder joint, but not like shoulders, glutes, core, leg, back. like back. Yeah, exactly. So planks, Curl-ups are great.
1: Curl-ups are like a sit-up, but you have one leg long and one leg bent. So you have one leg right at a 90 and the other leg long. doesn't matter which leg. And the reason we do that is because it actually takes the shear force off of your low back. So a classic sit-up puts, I forget the exact measurement, something like 1,900 nanograms of force on your low back. When you do a curl-up, it drops it down to like 800. It's, it's negligible. <laughs>
0: So then we're also looking at core. We're also want to talk about our transverse abdominis, right? That girdle muscle that wraps all the way around, keeps everything in nice and tight. I like to do butterflies and people are like, Kayla, what are butterflies? Um, they're actually like what I often will give somebody who's postpartum uh, because they help to really retrain all of your core muscles. Your transverse abdominus co-contracts with your pelvic floor. So it's a really great one to start bringing that mind-body awareness. I mean, unfortunately, we were born without the ability to know how to move our muscles. Right. Like you, we might be able to like wiggle our fingers and move our arms and all that kind of stuff, but we might not necessarily, if I was to say to you, I want you to engage your lat, you might not have any idea on how to do that. And so it's about repetition and creating those, those uh, neuro connections. So butterflies are great for that. Um, it's you, you use your breath, actually. Yeah. You, you exhale. Uh, and I will link, like I said, the video through to this. Uh, Another great wondering. one
1: for your transverse abdominus are dead bugs. Again, it doesn't seem like a lot of movement, but when you're just first learning how to get your TVA, your transverse, going properly, um, dead bugs are a godsend. They're great. So for
0: a good way to know if your transverse is engaged is you should feel it pulling from hip bone to hip bone. On females, um, I like to use the uh, reminder of like, it's like you're bearing down in childbirth. If you've never had a baby, it's like you're trying to pee into the one of those like little like urine sample cups without peeing on your hands. (laughs) <laughs> yeah try, try to stop and then you try to like stop the flow of urine without hitting your hand so that that and is for what it guys feels. it's
1: like you just went into cold water and that water just hits you right on the tea bag.
0: So I, I hopefully that those analogies work for you to understand what it feels like to tr- to engage that transverse abdominis. Part of your core is also um, involved with the back side of our body into that spinal erector, and a lot of people don't really think when they do core training that they need to do back training. But it's really
1: the whole trunk. Yeah, think, think of the, the whole, whole area. midsection as a trunk, right? You want to work the entire thing 360 so degrees. what
0: is your favorite spinal erector exercise?
1: For me, uh, because we have a back ext- extension machine, I absolutely love it. Um, the other one, if you don't, are are supermans. If you lay on your belly, thumbs up like you're, you're giving a thumbs up, and then legs and arms come up opposites.
0: Yeah, you can even I, that. I, I
1: always do opposites, so I go uh, right arm, left leg, Left arm, right leg, and then everything.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Superman's are great. Um, you can even do swimmers where you're up and you're holding it yeah, and you're and like fluttering. Flutter. Yeah. Uh, we have a reverse hyper extension machine, which is phenomenal for that. But
1: reverse hypers were actually built specifically to rehab back pain. So they were because the the movement of the the movement of the machine when you're swinging your legs under it actually pulls the spinal fluid all the way from the top. It's the only thing that gets oxygenated blood all the way down your spine is a reverse hyper. So absolute godsend if you got them.
0: You could also look at doing spinal balance from yoga or bird dogs, uh, where you're on all fours and you're extending opposite arm, opposite leg, and you want to make sure that you're not rotating those hips open. Bird dogs, you're bringing the elbow towards that knee in through the center and creating that little bit of a curl. So there are different ways to do that. But those are like, I think, our favorite exercises to work on the The stability. Yeah. Just
1: to build stability through your whole trunk.
0: Your trunk being like from essentially your rib cage down to your butt. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. So we've we've addressed we've addressed breathing. We've addressed tightness, we've addressed stability. Let's talk about lifestyle and behavior. Cause you did touch on this already with being part of a sedentary lifestyle. And I even alluded to it with where we're talking about we, we live in a society where we often will treat symptoms but not a problem.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. So I I think again the the huge thing for me and the, the common problem I see from a lot of a lot of people when they come in is the fact that they are super tight through their hip flexors, like ridiculously rock hard tight through their hip flexors because they spend all day sitting.
0: And it might not just be just sitting, though, that lends way to this. (laughs) A lot
1: of them are trying to do sit-ups, too, and they're just using their hip flexors for sit-ups Yeah, a lot of core.
0: If (laughs) If you don't
1: know how to engage your core and you just take a YouTube video and you're like, oh, I'm going to go do a million sit-ups because this guy does them, you're going to be using your hip flexors because they're so strong because we use them all the time. They just take over.
0: So one interesting fact, though, here, too, is that your hip flexors actually attach up into your back where your diaphragm attaches. And so they're actually attached at the same point. And a lot of people don't realize that on a cadaver, they can't separate your hip flexors from your diaphragm, which is really interesting. They are two totally different muscles. We know that because they have different purposes and yada, yada, yada.
1: But because of a lifetime of dysfunction, they're tucked right together.
0: So they're tucked right together. So if you have dysfunctional breathing or you're constantly living in that, what I'm going to call sympathetic state where we're breathing in that upper respiratory tract because of stress and all those kinds of things then our hip flexors are going to automatically be tighter because our diaphragm isn't getting that expansion that it requires so that's where we start to link oh my gosh this tightness in the body might actually be linked to my breathing but the other thing that people need to consider too is when we have stress and trauma in our in our lives and i mean I think most people have, have some form everybody of stress and is, trauma. Everybody
1: um, ex- Everybody experiences stress at least. Maybe not trauma for everybody. Some people live in these magic bubbles where they don't get to experience that trauma. But 90% of people will still get that trauma in there too at some point.
0: Yeah, and you know what? Trauma is just different for each person. But here we are. Okay. So How does our body
1: store trauma? Our body stores
0: <laughs> it in our hips. In those, in our psoas muscles. So we, we have something called somatic memory. And that's memory from, that our body holds onto in, in, in our muscles in that felt sense within the body versus it being in that memory. And so we don't always, get to finish a reaction, you know, if you're feeling scared or you're overwhelmed or whatever those feelings are that come with stress and trauma and PTSD, all of those things, our body will store that in our hips and it will tighten a lot through the hips. And you'll see that in the psoas.
1: So Kayla actually has these awesome YouTube videos, again, uh, yoga videos that do what's called a psoas shake. And I, and I didn't, tell her I was going to do this, but I'm going to get her to link that in the show notes too, because it is absolutely amazing for anybody who's been through something that's caused PTSD. Give it a try. It's, it's something that can be very interesting. Might bring up some old feelings, but it it is helpful to get them out.
0: It's really important for our bodies to begin to feel the, that felt sense in order to heal and in order to release it from the body. Uh, I have an extensive amount of training in trauma-informed yoga and trauma-informed um, somatic training. And so it's really important for our body to help release that. And that comes back to that, the, the tension within the body. So I will, yeah, I'll link through a couple uh, trauma-informed yoga videos that might help you with like that. So I shake and that releasing through the hip joint. And let me know if you guys find it beneficial. Drop me a little comment, send me a message. I'd love to hear it.
1: So what 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 else can we do for the lifestyle and behavioral? Because again, we said a lot of people spend a lot of their days sitting. So how can we remedy that?
0: Spend less time sitting.
1: Hey, there we go. Is that
0: that that <laughs> might be too easy?
1: No, it's no. They a, want
0: a complicated answer, Mike.
1: There so is if no compl- A plus
0: B <laughs> equals C, no and then you times it by hundred. That's what the answer. The
1: beautiful thing is, is that all it takes is to start getting feeling better is actually some movement in your body. Your body was meant to move. It was never meant to sit here and do nothing all day like we can't even sit still when we're sitting on chairs for these videos because your body is meant to move so get up and get active motion is lotion you don't have to do anything crazy either go for a walk take your take your kids take your dog take whatever you got with you take your cat for a walk so
0: something that i want to kind of like share with you guys is that when i was 19 i was a pedestrian hit by a car and i suffered from body aches and body pain all the time and half the reason why i got into fitness was so that i wasn't going to be in chronic pain and i notice now if i go three days without movement what when i say without movement for me it's without being in the gym kind (laughs) of situation like yoga is like totally good. I can do yoga and it'll be totally fine. But um, three days of like sitting on the couch or just kind of just doing like minor chores around the house, my body starts to get stiff and tight, especially between my shoulder blades and and into that low back hip region. And I, all I need to do is go out and do a workout, go for a walk, do some yoga. And all of a sudden my body starts to loosen up. And it's, I I mean, some people will say if you go lift weights, you're going to be in pain, but I feel like it's just a different kind of pain and it's not the kind of pain I need to complain about. Unless I can't sit on the toilet, and that's a totally different, a
1: different story. <laughs> for for myself with back pain, the the most constant nagging back pain I ever had was when I was younger. I was like I owned a detail shop. I was in and out of cars all day, and I never went to the gym when I was when I was that age. So my glutes were super weak and super unstable. So every time I would be cleaning a car, I'd pop my back out. So I mean, I there was a time there where I was going to the chiropractor twice a week for. For years.
0: Well, I was in the most pain of my life when I worked a desk job. I saw a Cairo and a massage at least once a week each. Yeah. And so not I think was for me from a lack of movement, and for you, it was from repetitive movement. Mine, mine
1: was repetitive with, with no actual strength training. So I wasn't doing anything to assist these muscles that were constantly going into to cars because that's what I did for a living when I was younger. And it just it wrecked my back. It was it pop out every yeah, like two days. So, so again, now, now knowing everything I know, if I had back then taken an interest and been like, well, now I need to strengthen my glutes. I need to strengthen my core better. I need to work on my trunk and my, I gotta work on everything, right? Body
0: positioning, how you move your body, right? Not constantly doing it in the same way. Maybe I need to start doing it in another way or working another side of my body, yeah. right? So finding that balance.
1: It's crazy if you could talk to yourself five years ago or ten years ago or fifteen years ago, what you could tell yourself.
0: <laughs> right. Okay, so I've got another avenue. I kind of want to delve down a little bit because I'm I'm a little woo woo. And I love woo-woo things. (laughs)
1: No comment.
0: (laughs) So I have these two um, awesome books. So one is by uh, Louise Hay called Heal Your Body. And the other one is by Deb uh, Shapiro called Your Body Speaks to Your Mind. And these are kind of like that, that way that maybe your body is telling you what is going on. So if we're experiencing back pain, this might be something that's going on in your life. So I kind of wanted to share with you guys a little bit of a, a totally different perspective outside of. We're
1: hitting the metaphysical range. We're
0: hitting the metaphysical range exactly outside of what your your traditional things might be. So in the Louise Hay book, most people have heard of Louise Hay, so that's that's what Most
1: people were into the woo woo. Most people,
0: exactly. So. Your back represents the supports in your life, is what she said. So if you are suffering from that low back pain, it might be fear around money or lack of financial support. The mid-back might be guilt or stuck in all the stuff that is back there, such as like, get off my back.
1: Your past.
0: Your past. And then upper back pain is that lack of emotional support or feeling unloved or maybe holding back love. And... If you don't have this book and you that any of those kind of resonate with you, uh, please reach out to me. There are a couple affirmations that she has here to go with it, but she's also got like a whole section here on spinal misalignment and stuff like that that can kind of delve into that. So maybe something there spoke to you. If not, maybe you prefer Deb Shapiro. Uh, And she, again, it's very much about stress and trauma is what she talks about in regards to uh, back pain, uh, doubting yourself and feeling unsupported, uh, and or even feeling isolated. And I think that right now, isolation or that fear of feeling isolated kind of delves into that. Uh, So asking for help, finding that support is what she really talks about. Um, With back pain, she says, you know, here's some journaling questions for you. Uh, is there something you've pushed away that you need to acknowledge and accept? Are you pushing back your feelings, particularly rage, grief, or guilt? Uh, you talk about having a bad back as if it has done something wrong, but is, is it the back that is bad or is it the stuff that you have dumped there? So really taking a look at like what are you putting on, maybe the weight on your shoulders, what are you putting on there, right? Um, and <laughs> uh, it's something holding you back from moving forward. So think of your back, uh, it re- represents that uh, repressed emotions or issues uh, that maybe you're not wanting to deal with. So something uh, just interesting takes on another way to look at that, uh, the back. So now if you're suffering from back pain, Mike, what is something that one could do? So we've, we've stressed, we've started to work on our stability. We started to work on our lifestyle habits and our breathing. It's,
1: it's not a one, it's not a one size fits all approach, right? Because there's some people that are going to like, even athletes suffer from back pain. Like one of the most common, actually the most common reason that athletes miss time in their sport is due to back pain. So you can't say that all of these people have an, instability or a weakness maybe they do right so it's it's taking an objective look at all of these factors put together so look at your breathing see see if you breathe properly get somebody else to assess you talk talk to your partner and say hey do you notice that i breathe through my mouth a lot and they're like "Uh all the time so then maybe we got to switch that up right um it's it's kind of all together
0: yeah and i mean put some heat and ice on there to help and kind of, if you've got that inflammation or some, some form of back pain, you can rest and heat it, ice it. But again, motion is lotion, so get up and move. The worst thing you can do is sit there and just kind of be in that pain.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's, there's obviously the times where you do have to rest, where, you know, you, you've compressed a disc or you have a bulge disc or you've done some physical damage to the spine, then 100% you're going to need that rest. But outside of that, if you suffer from that those mild aches where it's like oh it just feels stiff and sore if it's all the time. Muscular. Yeah, then, then that muscles need to move. Yeah. We we're we we're made to move.
0: Yeah, exactly. Get get active. Muscular fascial. There's so much going on. So make sure you check out the show notes for this episode. I know we talked about so much and we gave you guys so much information. I'll link through a ton of videos through in the show notes to give you some ideas on maybe things to try, where to look for things. Um, If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, make sure that you reach out to us. We love to hear from you.
1: (laughs) You guys have an awesome day. If you found some value in today's episode, make sure you share it with somebody you know and love. And hopefully we'll see you again for the next one. Have a good day, guys. Bye for now.